from the studios of the Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. And a good afternoon to you, Mike Gilland here on the Shepherd Radio Network. Every day at two o'clock, Monday through Friday, we, I hope you join us as we always have a compelling guest, and that is happening again today. My guest is Andy Searles from The Church Together in Castleberry, Florida. Welcome, Andy. Thank you. I hope that I am not the first person to be a non-compelling guest today, Mike. There is a real danger of that, so I hope I can avoid that. Well, you're, you've already done that as far that comment right there has set you apart, my man. Andy uh, and I have uh, just recently uh, met uh, mostly over the phone today mm -hmm. in person for the very first time mm -hmm. although I know you know a lot of people I know in in the Orlando and your Castle. reputation precedes you Mike oh my goodness well <laughs> but that's a good way that's I good hope thing. that's a good thing I really do <laughs> how long well first of all we've got to get a couple of things out of the way because you're you have a slight accent that is not Floridian tell us a little bit about where you were born and, and in a moment, I want to hear how you got to where you are. Yeah, so I was born and raised in England, and uh, most of uh, my family uh, still lives there. Um, I consider home a town called Colchester, which is about an hour northeast of London, and uh, have lots of uh, memories and experiences and uh, development that come from that culture, uh, and even though I've been in the U.S. about 20 years now, I'm still trying my best to hold on to that accent. I, I believe it was my accent that was the primary reason my wife married me. So the last thing I want to do is to lose the accent. Well, I can understand <laughs> that because of the fact that anyone who is from America mm -hmm. and we hear somebody uh, like yourself speaking, it, there's this sense of first thing that I think hits a lot of people. Well, first of all, this just isn't fair because you sound so much more cool than the rest than the rest of us. But that accent is, is amazing. So you've been in the United mm -hmm. States now for how long? Uh, about 20 years, um, maybe maybe 21. Um, but last year I hit the mark where I had been in the U.S. Uh, for a few days longer than I had in the U.K. Oh, um, so that was a significant milestone. So I'm, I've really kind of got a foot in both camps, but I'm... I, certainly seems that history is pulling me towards the American side uh, of my future. Now, how was it that you made the move from England to America? Yeah, so like I said, I was born, raised, uh, educated in England. And um, while in England, uh, I got involved in um, a missions organization uh, through the Methodist Church um, that had lots of missionary outposts uh, throughout the UK and uh, around the world. And uh, I was asked by the founder of that organization whether I'd be interested in coming over with some friends uh, who were based in California to engage in some of the mission projects there. And I was young and I was single and the world was before me and I'd seen Baywatch, so I knew exactly what California was like. So um, that was an initial draw and I stayed there for uh, two years before moving down to Florida. And uh, this has become home and uh, started my family here and uh, building some deep roots here as well. And did you settle right in the Castleberry area when you moved to Florida? 
Yeah, about that uh, that kind of northeast um, part of uh, Orlando. I was in Winter Park for a little bit. Castleberry lived in Maitland, so so all around that that kind of zone. But Castleberry has really become our home. It's where we uh, started our church. It's where our kids go to school. It's where my wife works. It's where uh, we're really pouring ourselves into to uh, try and support and, and and change and love the uh, the very fiber of that that city. When you think back to that time of really first meeting the Lord in, in a personal way. Mm-hmm. What was that like for you? What was your story there? Yeah, it was transformational. It was it was life-changing. Uh, I had grown up in a Christian home, which I'm incredibly grateful for. My father was actually a, a Methodist pastor in the UK. Um, but being a Christian in England at that time, and I suspect it's even more so now, put you in the minority. Uh, I was uh, one of the only church-going folk uh, in my school, and there's lots of um, things that an impressionable teenager wants to avoid about being a minority. Um, So I was always a little bit leery about church and faith and things like that, but I remember one night uh, I heard... um, Jesus talked about in a way that was so compelling um, that it brought me to a point of decision. Uh, If these claims of Christ were true, then the implications were huge, Mm. not just for my life here, but for eternity as well. And so I had a choice to make. Was I going to um, kind of slide into this uh, society and this culture that was very secular and quickly rejecting Christ or was I going to um, walk that narrow road as a minority Christian and mm-hmm. follow Christ and I decided to follow Jesus saying Lord if, if this is real then then you got to show me and uh, day after day week after week month after month and now year after year and decade after decade um, Jesus has been revealing himself to me and I've been on this crazy adventure. Uh, it feels like I'm fulfilling uh, a script that I couldn't have written in my wildest imagination. <laughs> and I'm incredibly um, grateful to God for. Um, it's funny, just on the way over here, I'm fighting some traffic and uh, had, had a busy day and just reflecting on the day. And, and my first thought was, uh, Lord, I'm, I'm just out of my uh, comfort zone on my schedule and the appointments and the conversations I've got to have today. Um, please don't let me down. And, and then I realized that uh, over my 25, 30 years of following Jesus, He's never let me down. Right. And so I quickly changed my prayer to, Lord, help me not to let you down. Mm. Find me faithful mm-hmm. today. Mm. And um, that's my testimony. He's never let me down. Mm-hmm. And uh, the challenge for me is to, 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 to figure out what faithfulness in following Jesus looks like every single day. This morning I was up, one of my favorite songs, and, and People who know me will not be surprised by this. <laughs> Stephen Curtis Chapman has always been my yeah. my favorite artist of yeah. any genre, and I had a chance to meet Stephen uh, a little over a year ago, yeah. and and I went from all these years of never getting to spend any time or meeting Stephen to actually hosting a concert 
where he was the artist mm-hmm. and it, it, it was like a surreal uh, <laughs> yeah. it's just one of those bucket list items that I'm grateful for sure. you know? but he has a song that he lists as his favorite song and it is my redeemer is faithful and yes. true yes and I love it it says there's as he looks back on the road that he's traveled and there were there were times he says that the Lord has carried me through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when we are at a point when you're my age, yeah. looking back, it is really true. And I think yeah. anybody can do that. But yeah. you know, when you are older and you look back and you realize that mm. throughout mm. your life, God is always yeah. faithful. It's it's amazing. Uh, in Scripture, there's a word that we often miss, and throughout both the Old Testament and the New Testament, especially in the epistles, the word remember seems to be a staple phrase that is applied and encouraged of people of faith, right? Remember God's faithfulness. Remember where you are. Remember what He's He's done. And we live in a society that's so uh, now-focused or future-focused, it's very hard for us to stop and remember. But Hold that thought right there, Andy, because we're going to pick up on that in segment two on Afternoons with Mike. You stay here. My guest is Andy Searles, and I'll be right back. When someone hears the words, you have cancer, it's one of the darkest moments in their life. Light the Night brings light to the darkness of cancer by uniting survivors, patients, and supporters in the cause to end cancer. Friends, families, and coworkers form a community of hope, raising funds in support of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Together, we walk with lanterns held high to light the path to cures. Last year alone, the FDA approved 18 new drug therapies and treatments to treat blood cancers. The impact of LLS-supported research goes beyond blood cancer. The discoveries made in blood cancer research have led to breakthrough treatments for many cancers and other serious diseases. When we walk, cancer runs. Join the movement to end cancer today. Visit us at lightthenight.org. While it's never easy, there's a serious upside to putting God first. Grace-based advice from Dr. Tim Kimmel on today's Family Matters Minute. It doesn't matter how talented, smart, handsome, pretty, or network your children are if they don't know how to keep all the pieces of their lives connected in a balanced way. Whatever successes they achieve will be overshadowed by the disappointments they experience when they realize that they are ill-equipped to maintain emotional, intellectual, and relational equilibrium. There's only one person who knows how to bring it all together and keep it there, and his name is Jesus. Hearts that are focused on Christ and fueled by His grace operate with a completely different attitude than hearts that only give lip service to Him. Attitudes lead to actions. When they finally figure out that it's not about them, there's no stopping the greatness God can pull off through our children. More information about Tim Kimmel's book, Raising Kids for True Greatness, is available at FamilyMatters.net. Back again on the Shepherd Radio Network, Afternoons with Mike, Mike Gillen with you. In the studio today is Andy Searles. And before the break, Andy, you were talking about a staple in our Christian life, mm-hmm. kind of tied to our experience with God. And really, I think that it this, this is resonating, I know, with me. Uh, it's a time to remember. Sure. We are, we're called by Scripture to not forget. Sure. 
Sure. I, I think often, you know, as we read the newspapers, if people still do that, or we check our feeds, that kind of stuff, and we see what's going on in society, it's easy for us to say, oh my goodness, society has lost its mind. Right, but I think <laughs> I think sometimes, and while you know that 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 is true, I think there's a statement to be made that we have lost our memory as well as a culture. We forget where we we come from. We forget God's faithfulness in the past. We forget the the principles that that, that made things the way we were, uh, perhaps in better times and things like that. So um, I think it's important that we remember where we've come from. And honestly, a lot of the issues that we're facing as a society, I think would be better uh, served if we took a time to remember them, mm. whether that be uh, immigration. Well, let's remember where we came from, right? Mm. Whether it's the breakdown of the family, well, let's remember where we came from and, and why we did things and uh, and why things were, were, were different back then. Um, because history teaches us both good and bad lessons, right? And the good lessons can help us uh, apply principles that will help us now. And the bad lessons will help us understand principles to avoid now as well. So um, I, I wonder sometimes, if our culture has lost its mind because we've lost our memory. You know, there's this thing called revisionist history. Yeah. Uh, and I wonder if you, in your personal experience from being in England, England's going through a lot of changes sure as well. Sure is, yeah. I mean, historic changes, really. Mm-hmm. And this thing in America was identified a number of years ago as this attempt, if you will, to revise mm-hmm. our history because there's one thing about remembering that is tied to our education. It would be in the yeah. topic or the subject of history. Yeah, America has forgotten its history. Yeah, it seems bent on creating an entirely new direction. Yeah, I, and I'm not. I'm not quite sure what's going on with uh, with us trying to revise history. Um, you know, obviously it happens a lot because we don't like what history says. But again, for better or for worse, history is what it is, and it teaches us something. If it if it's shameful, well, then let's seek forgiveness. Let's seek to make it right. Let's learn to learn from our mistakes. Uh, If history was right and helpful and good and honorable, let's learn from that. But I think if we start to change history, we miss out on the opportunities to um, move into the future uh, in a healthy way. You know, there's this, I guess it's almost like a microwave speed you know, yeah. and back in the day, I, I grew up. We didn't have microwaves, and to cook sure. something, it was a process. Yeah. Now you can pop something in a microwave, and a couple of seconds later, yeah, you can have popcorn, or you can have yeah. something that was cold and is now quite warm. Yeah. We're we're trying to speed up. It feels at times. Yeah. The process, and in that speed, we're oh, we're bypassing the the process of time, mm-hmm. which builds memories. Yeah. Time is what holds memories. Yeah. And we're living in a day where, Andy, I'm pretty convinced that unless something in the heart of parents are really pouring this into their kids, our mm-hmm. children of today, many of them are not going to know yeah. the basics of even the distinctions of their Christian walk yeah. or the distinctions of America's history. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we have a responsibility to our families to, 
to share history with them, to uh, help them understand the principles, to help them understand truth, and then to translate those into our society, which honestly is not an easy thing. And I think is probably uh, the reason a lot of folks don't do it because it's so hard. But I think that's the the challenge for us as, as parents and um, as folks who, who, who really believe in the family. Let's break this point down just a moment, Andy. You say that it looks at times like culture, America, uh, life in general, it's like we've lost our mind, and you say it's we've lost our memory. For people who are listening right now, what recommendations do you have as a step that they can initially, quickly, immediately put into practice that might start a new direction in that area? Sure. I think my first advice, actually, Mike, is spurred by something you just said. I think we need to slow down a little bit. Uh, I was meeting with a couple this morning, and they were recently married, and they're about four months in now, and their relationship has been up and down, and they're, they're in the kind of throes of newly married life, and how does this work, and who are we, and all this kind of stuff. And and I, I heard them, and I said, you guys just need to slow down, right? <laughs> Walk slowly into this relationship, because when we walk slowly, that allows us to uh, to consider where we've come from and consider what we've done and to think through who we are and who we want to become and where we go. I, I think, you know, to use your metaphor of the microwave too, I, I don't know in your kitchen, but most of the stuff that I eat from the microwave isn't as healthy That's as right. the stuff I eat from the oven. Oh, it is so true. Right? Yeah. And 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 so let's slow down. Let's let's put the meal in the oven. Let's let's slow down the pace of life so we can um, look backwards and forwards with some intentionality. Why do you think, Andy? I mean, this is this is really causing me to think here. Why do you think America suddenly, after years of steady plotting, mm-hmm. uh, I can think of my grandfather who taught me many lessons about planting. He mm-hmm. he didn't have a large farm, not like yeah. a um, not like a producing farm, but he had been a coal miner, and he, he developed black lung disease, yeah. and mm-hmm. retired from that, moved to Evansville, Indiana, mm-hmm. and bought, I don't know, 20, 30 acres, mm-hmm. and gave each of his kids an acre, and my mom was one of those kids. Mm-hmm. So I grew up next to my grandfather, but he, he never sat around, even with this disease, I would never have known he had the disease, because mm-hmm. he never slowed down. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was his patient, faithful, tilling of that mm-hmm. soil yeah and he got out every day and i spent lots of time with him that that patience mm-hmm. to plant a garden mm-hmm. it seems lost in this day and age yeah I don't know why we're in such a hurry right now. It almost feels like we're trying to prove something um, to our, our, our friends, our family, our neighbors. Um, and I don't know why we do it, but I can't help believe that the solution to it is in understanding who we are, right? Mm. It's almost like we're trying to prove something. Oh, if I do this, then I am that. Mm. Um, and that thought runs counter to the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. That says you are because you are loved by God, not because you have to prove something or work towards something. Mm-hmm. And I see a society so busy trying to prove something to someone 
um, a missing out in that pursuit of pleasing someone. Well, you know, in the middle of that is this thing called rest. When you can accept something and know that it's true and stop the efforts of striving and trying to please, mm-hmm. we can't earn our way to God, that's for sure. sure. So let's talk more about rest and the rest of that. We'll have the rest of the story coming up in just a moment. My guest today, Andy Searles from Church Together in Castleberry, and we will be right back in just a moment. A powerful threat calls for a greater response. Not tomorrow. Not in a few years. But right now. Some battles must be faced together. Cancer fighters stand up to cancer every day, and you can be part of this battle too. Visit StandUpToCancer.org to learn more. Together, we can save lives. The frenzy and frazzle of 21st century living has pushed out a vital part of health. We've lost the positive and pleasurable aspects of eating. We've starved ourselves in the name of weight loss and too busy. Hi, I'm Pam Smith with a tip for living well. It's true, we've settled for foods that are convenient yet incapable of providing the full sensory experience, and that leads to one thing, overeating. When you've pushed your body through the day on fumes, or when you've gone through the drive-through one too many times, pizza and haagen can sound really good, and a lot of it sounds better. Instead, take the time to focus on what you're eating and savor every bite and make it great. Forgo bland and tasteless, albeit quick and easy meals, and go for flavor and pizzazz. For more of Pam's tips for living well and recipes for delicious wellness, visit her website at pamsmith.com. Back again on the Shepherd Radio Network, Afternoons with Mike. Hi there, Mike Gillen with you. My guest in the studio today is Andy Searles, and I've already loved this. And we talked about in segment one, your hope that you wouldn't break the chain of being uh, one of a, a, a non-compelling guest. Well, we're still here for segment three, so I must be doing something right. No, no, no. You've already I see the long line outside the door of backup guests. You, got. you have more than qualified already, my man. It's all good. Thank you very much for, for being here today. And I have so enjoyed the um, just the amount of discussion that we've had already on things such as being too much in a hurry and we were talking we just hit on it in a moment for a moment on the issue of rest and uh, you know i was thinking in the book of hebrews uh, the writer to the hebrews said that there remains therefore a mm-hmm. sabbath rest mm-hmm. uh, one one thing that people can do to help them slow down is to have even a day uh, a day off, mm-hmm. a day of rest, and then uh, I'd like for you to share your th- any thoughts you'd have on this, Andy. What what it means to to really rest in Jesus? What does that mean? How would you describe that if someone said to you, "How do I rest in the Lord?" Sure, I I think if my family were here, they would be kind of giving me some looks like you are not qualified to talk on this, <laughs> uh, because if I'm honest, I have a hard time disciplining myself around the Sabbath. Now, 
you know, having said that, you know, I, I hit it sometimes, I miss, I'm, I'm stumbling, I'm, I'm trying to get better, I'm not always winning. Um, however, one of the things that I've found when you talk about resting in Jesus, for me, it, it, it's not about logging um, days off in a regimented way, uh, perhaps for me. It, it expresses itself for me in, in what is my daily rhythm look like so for me and i can only share my experience and as i <laughs> confessed it's it's not the healthiest when it comes to rest uh, f- for me i take the first hour uh, of the day uh, to rest myself in Jesus after I have woken mm-hmm. from resting my mm-hmm. body. Uh, and for me, that looks like um, uh, some scripture reading. Uh, I try to read through uh, the scriptures, uh, a Bible a year, um, journaling, mm-hmm. uh, prayer. Um, I have some prayer guides um, that I use, and I want to make sure I get in about 15 minutes of um, other reading as well. So, so for me, um, that first hour of the day is where I find my rest. And I think what's happening there is that I'm affirming my identity as a, as a, as a child of God mm-hmm. there. And my hope, and again, sometimes it works better than others, um, is that if I can start the day assured of who I am in Christ, then I can negotiate the challenges and opportunities of the day a little bit better. Oh, that's wonderful. So, so for me, rest <clears throat> is about a discipline that affirms my identity in Christ outside of all the stuff that I, I do and have to give my time to. Now, you're describing what most people would call a morning devotion, quiet mm-hmm. time. These sure. are terms that people have put on that. And you do this, you say, basically on a daily basis. Do you find that at the end, let's say, of that hour, are you satisfied in your heart usually? Or are there times that you wonder like, wow, that wasn't as, uh, that wasn't as uh, deep or that yeah. wasn't as fulfilling as what I would have liked? How- yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, all of the above, right? There, there are times when I'll read scripture and it'll speak to a situation or I'll pray and it feels like God is hanging on my every word to, mm-hmm. to respond and it feels like heaven really has come on earth. But there are times when it just feels like um, you know nothing is accomplished where mm-hmm. maybe you don't know, feel alone or, or lonely in that quiet mm-hmm. time um, but I think the fact is what happens in that time is up to God and sometimes he speaks and sometimes he doesn't speak but always he's communicating something. Yes, it's never wasted. Yeah, and and I think that sometimes just the discipline of me availing myself to be with God does something important, even if it feels like God doesn't show up. Um, gentleman I've been reading recently is a guy called Thomas Merton. I'm not sure if you're hmm. familiar with him. He Sounds was a, like a Puritan. Yeah, he, well, he, he was a, a Catholic priest. Uh, he, he died a few years ago. But in terms of um, purpose, he says this. He said, Lord, I don't know exactly if I'm following your will. I can't mm-hmm. be sure of that. But... I know that my desire to please you actually pleases you. Oh, that's so good. And sometimes I feel the same way about my devotional time. 
Lord, I don't know if what I'm doing here is pleasing you. Oh, that's great. I don't know if you're hearing. I don't know if 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 you and I are sinking. You know, I don't know if I'm out of line, but I know that my desire to please you does in fact please you. And your your meaning of sinking is S Y N C. Yes, I, I, locking absolutely. together, not sinking down. Yeah, uh, yeah. But so 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 so. I mean, I think my encouragement would be to people who struggle with a quiet time. And honestly, I try to stay away from that word because I think for many people, um, it's almost become a legalistic thing that mm-hmm. has left them empty. So so I would much rather talk about it in terms of a discipline or a devotion, a, a get-to rather than a have-to. But I think even in those times when it feels like those quiet time moments aren't clicking, there's something pleasing to God that my desire is to please Him. You know, and I found in my own life, Andy, that a lot of the times when I've gone back and it felt like it felt like heaven was brass mm-hmm. there yeah. for a while, yeah. and it just seemed yeah. like, wow, is anything going on right now? What's happening here? I would find out later there were a lot of things happening. Yeah, I just didn't understand them. Sure. And I, I go back to that song again. Um, that that I mentioned in yeah. segment one with yeah. my Redeemer is faithful and true. Yeah. The bridge of that song, Stephen talks about uh, that when I don't understand, when I mm-hmm. when when I'm walking through a time and I don't get it all. Yeah. He gives me grace. Yeah. Even in that time. Yeah. And that's because he's true. He's faithful. Yeah. Well, and I think I think that paradigm of understanding that God is faithful in that way is one of the antidotes to this world and culture of hurry that we talked about earlier, right? Right. What we're talking about, just to uh, kind of provide the context, is we're talking about slowing down, right? And so often we have a faith that reflects our culture, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a failure if I don't win. I, 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 I'm doing something wrong if God doesn't show up in the way that I expect Him. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I believe that God gives us those moments of um, restlessness, of desert, of dryness, um, to, to help us remember that his kingdom is so different from the world. And, and even though our expectations of God don't match the kind of paradigm that we, we lean into in the world, that's okay because the kingdom is so radically different. I want to hit more on that. I want, to, I want us to touch in segment four coming up in just a moment. I want to hit more on this, this thing about digging into God and trusting God when you don't see the way, because that's something that we're called Mm -hmm. by God to do, is to walk in faith and not by sight. There's going to be times that heaven does feel quiet, Mm -hmm. but it's never quiet. More with Andy Searles coming up in just a moment. I'm Mike Gillen, and you're in tune to Afternoons with Mike. Hi, I'm Lana Clausen, a farmer in Satanta, Kansas. I'm proud to support the next generation of ag leaders through the America's Farmers Grow Ag Leaders program sponsored by the Monsanto Fund. Each year, farmers can help local college students by endorsing them for a $1,500 Grow Ag Leaders scholarship. The program provides more than a half million dollars each year to students looking to study an ag-related field. Students, apply today for a chance to win a $1,500 scholarship. Visit growagleaders.com. I can do this. We believe in you. Each day brings hope. 
Every day, millions of people celebrate their recovery from addiction and mental illness while others begin their journey. Be a part of it. Share your strength, support, and hope. Join the Voices for Recovery. Together, we are stronger. For 24-hour free and confidential information and treatment referral for mental and substance use disorders for you or someone you know, call 1-800-662-HELP. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. And welcome back. Mike Gillen with you on Afternoons with Mike. In the studio today with me, Andy Searles, a pastor, Church Together. And mm-hmm. we're going to talk a little in a little bit about your church. I want to find sure. out a, a, a little bit about your vision and what mm-hmm. God's done and what he's doing in your church. But first of all, we've got to finish this, this most, to me, <laughs> most rich yeah. discussion that we've been having about uh, what it's like to be going through something where you you really need to slow down mm-hmm. and and uh, trust God, and then when you don't feel like you're hearing from God, mm-hmm. to trust God mm-hmm. because He's speaking even when we don't realize mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. We can rest even if we don't see it. Now mm-hmm. there are a lot of things in my life personally, right? And that's why this is so rich mm-hmm. to me because I'm I'm going through times right now personally where I'm I'm saying I'm in transition, yeah. and there are things that I don't sure. have answers for. Mm-hmm. What is it about us, Andy? What have you found in your communication with people that makes people want to own? Their agenda. They want to. They. We just want to have it yeah. all together. Yeah. Well, I. I think um, there's a desire to control. There's a desire to protect. There's a desire to prove. Um, it's rampant in our society, and sadly, it's kind of rampant in our church world mm-hmm. um, as well. But as we look into what those things are, we see that they have a base of fear. Right, mm. I, I need to prove something so I don't let someone down. Uh, I, I need to, um, to to win so that I can become someone. And fear is not the root of what it means to follow Jesus. It's it's faith. Mm-hmm. It's it's trust. Um, the little kind of axiom that I work from in my life, wanting to steward the gifts and responsibilities that God has given me, is that I want to steward what I can control because I think that's my responsibility before God. Some of that comes out of my uh, entrepreneurial, apostolic, activist gifts and personality that God has given me. But... Uh, at the same time, I acknowledge that there's so much that I can't do, I can't control, that's out of my control, and so I have to trust God with that. So, 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 so my my kind of paradigm is I'm going to, to the best of my ability, steward what I can control, mm-hmm. but learn to trust God with what I can't control. Mm. That ability to trust God over things we can't control mm-hmm. is the outworking of our faith, isn't it? I, I, I believe so. Um, we need to hold on to what faith is. You know, we are people of of faith. That means that we don't see everything. We can't control everything. We're not in charge. So we have to trust. Um, but that's so hard. And because it's so hard, we end up by default almost being hypocritical we call ourselves people of faith 
but we don't have faith because we want to control and prove and all that kind of oh stuff. Oh my goodness. Yeah, but I think we relegate at times faith to that part that says, I believe in God. Mm-hmm. Like a mental assent, and that equals faith, where faith is the, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things yeah. not yet seen. Yeah. Yeah. And so there are times that faith is is a whole lot more than what we can yeah. have it relegated to. I, I'm working through a little series at church right now called I'm Uncomfortable. And I'm looking at different areas of, uh, of life where we're in uncomfortable. And so uh, just studying this morning for my message uh, this Sunday, I'm talking about um, how we manage circumstances where we're uncomfortable. And we're uncomfortable because we're not in charge, we're not in control, <laughs> we can't manage outcomes, all that kind of stuff. And I'm talking through the the, the life of Joseph, right? Mm-hmm. Who, because of his behavior and a little bit of his overconfidence, arrogance, mm-hmm. he put himself in some difficult circumstances. Right. And so, so the first phase of his life, his brothers throw him in the pit. And you say, well, how do you get out of that? Uh, circumstance and well honestly God rescued him by changing the brother's mind by changing the circumstances then he goes to the palace where he meets Potiphar's wife and gets himself into another difficult situation Mm -hmm. and the way out of that circumstance is just to run and then after that he ends up in in, in prison Mm -hmm. and the way out of that circumstance Mm -hmm. is he just has to faithfully trust God and and serve faithfully Mm -hmm. and interpreting a few dreams along the way yeah and I think the message of that is that we need to become smart about discerning how to maneuver in our circumstances some circumstances we need to trust God to bring us out Mm -hmm. some circumstances we just need to run from some circumstances we have to stay there and faithfully serve God in that difficult place. Mm-hmm. But one of the messages of, of, of Joseph is whether in the pit or the palace or the prison, God is with us. Mm. And we must never forget and never lose our hope and never stop trusting that whatever our circumstance, oh, that is God so is good. with us. The pit the palace or the prison. Wow. That's a pe- preacher's dream, right? That, With that, the that, little that, alliteration. Yeah, that's it. Three Ps. <laughs> you got your three points. Three points and an offering. There you go. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That is such a great analogy for Joseph's life. And, and you're right. Joseph was... He was a little cocky early on, mm-hmm. and I maybe he just was sure. maybe been there, done naive. that. Probably still do it. Yes, yeah. Even in uh, naivete, thinking that people would love to hear that his brothers are going to be bowing before him, yeah. you know. Yeah. And yet, here one day, that very thing yeah. is taking place. Yeah. And I love that story in Joseph, where where you know what the enemy meant for evil. God uses for good. for good. Yeah. And that is so true. That can be summed up. This whole talk that we were having yeah. can be summed up in saying that what it may not look like is happening our way. Yeah. It may well end up being yeah. so perfectly our way. Yeah. That we could never have seen it from the beginning. Sure. It's a better our way than we could have prepared. Right, I think the reality is because because God loves me, He has a better plan for my life than I do, and, and I think that promise of remembering, 
right? Mm-hmm. When Joseph said right. what God and I mean what the enemy intended for evil, God intended for good. That's the promise that we need to hold on to, and that's the promise that we need to trust, whatever our circumstances. Oh, that's right? so good. That is and, so and it good. ties right in with Paul's Paul's writing in the epistles, right? right. To, to, to Romans, all things work together mm-hmm. for the good of those right. who love God and accord according to His purpose. If you're in Christ, does He have a purpose for you? Absolutely. So you can check that box, right? Yes. yes. Um, the, the the only thing that's up to us right. um, is, is is are we continuing to love and follow God in the midst of our circumstances? That's the thing that that we can control. The and rest is up to God. We can't control the kind of circumstances because even Paul said he's been he's been in seasons of plenty mm-hmm. and he was in seasons of want sure. where he didn't have it. Sure. And you know, there's nothing more real than to realize that he wrote a lot of his letters yep. while he's in chains. Yeah. Well, and, and, and Joseph as well. I mean, he's yeah. in a pit on his own. That's a desperate circumstance. Right. That is in the palace, palace surrounded by all the affluence um, and success symbols right. of right. society. And then he's in a prison, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, in good times and bad times, mm-hmm. God is working that stuff out for Wonderful. our good and his glory. I love it. Well, we're going to get to hearing how God is working things out with our guest today and his church, The Church Together. And it's Andy Searles, and I'm Mike Gillen. You're listening to Afternoons with Mike. More coming up in just a moment. You're listening to Lighten Up, brought to you by Compassion International. Lighten Up is a moment to brighten your day and encourage your walk with Christ. I'm Wes Stafford, president of Compassion International, inviting you to join inspirational speaker, author, and comedian Ken Davis as he shares a great example of integrity. In his book, Success for Dummies, Zig Ziglar tells this story. Steve Scott and Tiger Woods were playing in the grueling final 36-hole playoff for the 1996 U.S. Amateur Golf Championship. Tiger had clawed his way from behind, and on the final hole, Steve was up one and putting first because he was further from the cup. Tiger's ball was in Steve's putting line, so Tiger spotted his ball to one side and marked it so it wouldn't be in the way. Steve putted and missed. If Tiger sank his next putt, the match would go into sudden death. Tiger carefully circled the green, viewed every possible angle, and then lined up to putt. Then Steve spoke up and reminded him that he hadn't moved his ball back to the original spot. Well, after making the correction, Tiger sank the putt. He won the match in sudden death, giving him an unprecedented third straight U.S. amateur championship and catapulting him into the pro ranks with an unheard of $60 million in guaranteed endorsement fees. Zig Ziglar noted that had Steve not reminded Tiger to re-spot his ball and had Tiger putted from where it lay, Tiger would have been penalized two strokes and lost the championship. Steve would have won the championship, but would have lost something far more valuable his integrity. This is Ken Davis. Hang on to your integrity. Lighten up and live. I'm Dr. Wes Stafford on behalf of Compassion International saying thanks for caring and thanks for listening. I can do this. We believe in you. Each day brings hope. Every day, millions of people celebrate their recovery from addiction and mental illness while others begin their journey. Be a part of it. Share your strength, support, and hope. 
Join the Voices for Recovery. Together, we are stronger. For 24-hour free and confidential information and treatment referral for mental and substance use disorders for you or someone you know, call 1-800-662-HELP. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Back again on the Shepherd Radio Network with Afternoons with Mike. My guest today, Andy Searles. And you say your name is Rhymes with Pearls, so that'll be if, when people may read it on the Facebook or whatever, they'll know how to say it. Now. Uh, th- that is pearls. what my wife learned after people <laughs> mispronouncing her uh, her new name. When we if somebody married. just tuned in, Andy is uh, he's from the UK, born in jolly old England. <laughs> and how old were you when you moved over here to the uh, states? About, about 21, 22, something okay. like that. And he said he's recently hit that point where he's been over here longer than he was there. <laughs> and we all know that he loves it here, and that's great. <laughs> Who wouldn't love being in Florida? That's what Absolutely. I, I got to believe that. Yeah. And you serve as the, the lead pastor at Church Together, is that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Church Together in Castleberry. Uh, we're about four years old, and uh, we are having a lot of fun figuring out how to serve our community and influence our society uh, with things that are good and and godly. Um, You founded this church, right? Yeah. So I'd I'd been serving at another church for a number of years and um, started to ask questions, you know, Lord, what's, what's next? If it's here, fantastic, because I love serving here. And God answered that prayer by giving me lots of opportunities to minister outside of the church in the in the local community. Um, but for whatever reason, I wasn't able to tie that ministry activity into the life of the church that I was serving. And that concerned me because I am a big believer in the local church, and I believe that the church is a vital, vital uh, organism in our society if we want a healthy culture. And so I felt God kind of whisper, why don't you start a church that's going to connect those that you're ministering with in the city to a church? And so Castleberry has been our home. It was the geographic center of a lot of my ministry activity. Um, So that's where we felt called to start. Um, Our name is a little bit unusual, Church Together, Mm -hmm. but it really defines what we want to do in terms of pulling people together. Uh, First of all, we want to pull people together around Christ because we believe that relationship is most important. Uh, Secondly, we want to pull people together in relationship with each other because we're not made to be alone. We're made to be in community. We're made to be in family. And in a society where much of the traditional family is fractured, we want to be uh, a Christian family for people. But the exciting part of our mission is that we really want to bring our our city and our society together as well. Um, Fragmentation uh, and silos and separation isn't just a thing that exists in church world. It exists in our society, Mm -hmm. and unity and togetherness is a huge meta principle in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. So we have a a lot of fun serving our police and our schools and our sports and our business community and our nonprofits and our churches, and we have an awful lot of fun 
uh, introducing those organizations to each other so that they can all perform better. Our, our model of, of church is that we really see ourselves as a healthy filter in the ecosystem of our city. Hmm. So we want to connect organizations together. That may be the greenest model I ever heard. Of. That's great. <laughs> yeah. That's so, so, so as a as a church, because of that, um, some of our metrics are a little bit different. You know, the traditional metric for churches is how many people do you have in worship? What does your bank account look like? Um, but, but for us, um, and again, we're far from this. Um, some of our metrics are our grades going up in our local schools. Is crime going down in the city? Is the tax base getting stronger in the city? Because that shows that people are moving in and want to live here and that we're creating a better culture within the city. Hmm. So, so we're working towards some untraditional metrics um, that if we can hit them, um, will allow Jesus to, to change the city. And if I... If I'm hearing you correctly, you're you're actually in this. I, I want to extrapolate this one just a bit. You're actually implying that the church has a role to help change the atmosphere of its community. Absolutely. I, I, I don't think there's a lot of people anymore that believe this abs- in a lot of churches. Abs- absolutely. You know, the church as the ecclesia is obviously called out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we often understand that as in called away from, right? So you, uh, I, I love the church, um, but a lot of churches um, exist as a, a hospital, an escape from the difficulties of life. Uh, I don't believe that's what the church of Jesus should be about. I, I, I think when Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, he's not talking about this hunker down, protective model of ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's talking about going into some of the darkest places of our society and, and loving and serving and caring and offering in himself the antidote to a lot of our society's ills. And as you have preached this, as you have led, because that's what that's what the senior pastor is to do, to cast vision, mm-hmm. and you're leading your people, was that immediately bought by the congregation, or did it take a little time? Um, I don't think we're even close to being where we want to be yet. One of the advantages of starting a new church was that we got to set the culture of our church. Uh, So when we started, we established six or seven cultural principles that we wanted to kind of create within our body. Um, You know, a lot of churches start strategy, and there's definitely some strength, but I think we we said, hey, if we can be who we believe God wants us to be, then everything will flow from there. And starting a church was a huge advantage in that because it wasn't like we had a, sh- a ship to turn. Mm-hmm. So we're still trying to figure it out. But as a leader, one of the um, strongest things I can do is to to model what I want those who attend our church um, to be. Um, so I, I, I'm very keen to... Uh, Live as a part of the body of Christ and, and and mentor people in that way, as well as the traditional forms of teaching and preaching. For people who may be hearing this in the Castleberry or Orlando area, give mm-hmm. us your website. Sure, our website is uh, www.ourchurchtogether. Uh, 
uh, our church together. My accent often trips <laughs> me up there. It's O-U-R church together yes. uh, dot org. Ourchurchtogether.org. And looking ahead, any any outreaches that you guys are doing in the, the coming weeks or months? Sure. We, um, we, we've got lots of uh, small little serve projects. Uh, again, we feel our mission field is the city, so most of them are within the city. Um, we, we do lots of things with the churches together in Castleberry. That's a big part of, of, of what we do and how we mission. Um, and we're uh, talking through some exciting opportunities as uh, one church in Castleberry with the Methodists and the Lutherans and uh, Metro and, and several other churches. Um, our, our model of ministry, and it dawned on me the other day, uh, are you familiar with the butterfly effect? Mm, um, I, not sure. Th- that, um, you know, if a butterfly flaps its wings in Brazil, it can start a hurricane halfway <laughs> around the world, world mm. something like that. And it talks to the power of little things little having big growing impact. Growing into something big. That's kind of our model of ministry. Hmm. Um, so, so, so we're not – we don't have the resources to do something massive, mm-hmm. but we do have – the resources to do lots of little things. That's wonderful. So we want to kind of try and create some butterflies uh, that where that butterfly flaps its wings, it affects everything to have a, a significant impact for Christ and his kingdom. Can't wait to have you back on my program again in the future. Andy Searles, Church Together from Castleberry. Thank you for being with me today. Mike, thanks so much for having me. I've loved our conversation. Uh, I hope it's uh, ministered to our listeners because I know it's ministered to me as well. Thank you, my friend. And thank you for being with me on Afternoon with Mike. I'll see you next time at 2. 